Father, we are thankful that you're here, that you've spoken to us, I'm sure. And Lord, now we, we want to, to hear from, from Guy, from, what, from you through Guy, whatever you have prepared, um, because you want to impart something to us. We want to see what you want us to see. Open our eyes, open our hearts, and open open guys' mouth. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Normally, it's probably the opposite, Andre, but thank you. <laughs> Why don't you um, get up, say hello to someone near you, welcome them, find out their name. <clears throat> Okay, well done. Can you hear me? Okay, folks, well done. So hands up if you found out the name of somebody you didn't know before. That's amazing. So either you're really bad at doing that on previous weeks, or you're sitting near people you don't know. But that is... That is culture of hospitality, isn't it? Finding out someone's name. Somebody once said that it's really difficult to love someone unless you know their name. I think it's really important. That's such a special part of the service, so thank you. There are a few of the women who are away this uh, weekend in cold rain in Northern Ireland. They call it cold rain because it often is <laughs> cold and rainy, but it is God's country, apparently. It is. <laughs> And I've got a feeling we might have someone from Coleraine here this morning. But Esther, my wife, um, is there as well. And I feel slightly dishevelled this morning, her being away and me kind of uh, just getting the kids just here is a mission. And I was wondering, as you were talking to each other, whether anyone would have noticed me just slipping out of the door. And <laughs> but <clears throat> uh, So it's been, a, it's been a busy weekend. I feel like I am surviving rather than thriving. Uh, but it does make me appreciate what, what Esther does, and I'm sure some of you here are probably feeling the same way with your loved ones over in Ireland. I saw this on Facebook um, a couple of days ago. Thank you. Uh, which really made me laugh. You won't be able to read it, but just to show you that it was on Facebook. It's one of these posts that has a picture of a perfect family, and then it says... Oh, I can't even read it now. <laughs> It basically says um, that uh, you should never lie to your children, that you should not protect your children by lying, you should tell them the truth. And I think, yeah, that's a, that's a really wise, good thing to do, to live by. If you don't yet have children, then that's good advice. I have four children, and for me, it's far more pertinent to say, this is me pre-kids, I'm never going to lie to my kids, ever. And then me with kids, I just got off the phone with Santa, the firefighter dog from Paw Patrol and the Green Power Ranger, and they all agree, if you don't put your shoes on, they're going to have to put down another unicorn. (laughs) And it just really made me laugh, because I thought, yeah, that's my life. That's the phase in which I'm at, at the moment. 
So, uh, for those of you that are visiting us, we're not looking at Facebook this morning, but we are looking at Hebrews. We are in week 10 of a series of Hebrews. We've been going through this for a little while now, and my other job, my other life uh, that I used to be more engaged with than I am now was a cameraman, and I used to do a lot of filming, and Quentin Tarantino was one of my heroes when I was in college and like, learning the craft of camera work. Tarantino kind of burst onto the scene. And the filmmaking, the, the storytelling was just, I just found it electric. I found it so engaging. And what Tarantino did, and I'm not saying he was the first, but he, he really popularised his style of storytelling, was to use extreme close-ups. He'd use a close-up of a, of a match being struck, and you'd see it in just extreme close-up. And he would use these beautiful shots to really tell a story. But if, if you have just a series of close-ups all the time, then it's difficult to understand what the big story is. Now, we understand in filming that you have to, you have to shoot some wide shots. And these shots are called establishing shots. These shots really help you see the big picture. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been going through with extreme close-ups. We've been looking at extreme close-ups of scriptures and even words in Hebrews, looking at the meaning, looking at what they meant to the original readers and what they mean to us today. But this morning, I want to take a different approach. This morning, I want to zoom out. I want to pull back. I want to see the big picture. The sense I have this morning is that God wants me to preach the gospel and so I've been having this dialogue with, with God as I've been preparing for this morning. I felt him say to me, preach the gospel. And I've been saying to God, yeah, but we're doing a series on Hebrews. And we're doing a series on Hebrews because you told us to do a series on Hebrews. And I felt him say, that's okay, but preach the gospel. And so I've been wrestling with this for the last few days. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? Well, S.M. Lockridge summed it up very famously 30 or 40 years ago. And I'm sure many of you have seen this. But in a nutshell, this is the gospel. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him. My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. 
I've seen that so many times, I just, I'm undone every time I see it. Because the truth is, is that I get caught up in the details. You know, in my life, I get, I get just, there's just too many close-ups sometimes. And I just need to pull back and see the big picture. Sometimes I think that the further we get from that moment where we cross that threshold into the family of God, that, that, that threshold of salvation, of, of faith. I think the further from that moment, sometimes it's, it's the easier it is to slip into religion. The easier it is to slip into not really remembering just who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And we've been looking through this amazing book, and I've loved this study on Hebrews but I just feel God's just saying, pull back. Look at the big picture. Preach the gospel. We were reminded, Esther and I, this week, we've been at a Vineyard Leaders meeting, and we were reminded this week that the plain thing is the main thing. I wonder how many of us here this morning just need to be reminded that the plain thing is the main thing. The gospel is woven through this letter to the Hebrews. The gospel is woven through this letter to first century Jewish Jewish Christians. In it, this is the first six, this is the first six chapters. You won't be able to read it, of course. But this is what it's like for me, is that we've been scanning through. And then I just felt the Lord just this, this last few days just placing or just drawing texts out of this, this book, this amazing first half of the book we've been looking at. And these, these words have just been jumping out at me. And it's just my joy this morning just to preach the gospel in Hebrews, just to look at some of the phrases, some of the key themes that we've looked at over the last 10 weeks. We've been looking at the deity of Christ. We've been looking at how Jesus is God. Jesus, is the, he, the Son, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. We see this in 1 verse 3. But about the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. Jesus is God. He is eternal. The deity of Christ. We've been looking at the humanity of Christ, the humanity of Jesus, how he was. He was God, but he was also man. He is God and he is man. The author is explicit that Jesus was a man in every way. He was a human being in exactly the same way that you and I are human beings. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in 2 verse 17. We've been looking at, in Hebrews, our need of a saviour. Jesus is our saviour. We are children of Adam and we don't exercise the godly dominion over creation that we should. The world is breaking. We see that, don't we, in our headlines. The world is breaking. It's creaking. It's not working as it should be. The word dominion is a word I think is misunderstood. We are stewards. We are stewards. God's called us to steward everything. He's placed us in a position of responsibility. It says in 2, verse 6 to 8, What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. 
You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them, to us. Yet, at present, we do not see everything subject to them. We see in verse 2, 14 to 15, our need for a saviour. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. Jesus shared in our humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Jesus is our saviour who frees us from the fear of death. We don't need to be afraid of death because he's gone before us. We see that Jesus is the scapegoat. Jesus is the scapegoat, the one that stands in our place. He is the substitute, the one that takes upon himself what we deserve. We see Jesus described as the ultimate scapegoat because he paid the price for our sins. He entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, so obtaining eternal redemption. We'll come to this in chapter 9, verse 12. So my, my, my feeling, my sense this morning is as I've just been picking out some of these phrases is that we need to see Jesus again. Now there might be some of us here that have never really looked in the eyes of Jesus. Maybe you've looked in the eyes of church and you found it a little bit ugly or disappointing at times. Maybe you've looked in the eyes of people that profess a faith in Jesus and you've been disappointed, you've been let down. My challenge this morning, my invitation this morning, is that we would look into the eyes of Jesus. My understanding is that S.M. Lockridge, who, who preached that sermon in the 70s, I believe, my understanding is that it wasn't written. My understanding was it was just an outpouring. That might not be true. But there's just an eloquence, there's an energy, isn't there? There's a delight in sharing who Jesus is to that amazing preacher, S.M. Lockridge. And my desire, my prayer this morning, my invitation is each one of us, it might have been some time, it might never have happened, but they would have an opportunity to look in the eyes of Jesus. That we would step back from the routine and perhaps sometimes as a religion, and we'd step into relationship. We'd look into the eyes of the Son, who is God, who came and died for us so that we can be set free. Religion says that salvation is in your own hands. You have to earn it. Jesus says, that's rubbish. Come and follow me. I'm the bread of life. I'm the doorway to heaven. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is God, and he is above all, and he made all. And the challenge is made time and time again. Don't trade Jesus in for religion. Don't try and earn salvation. Receive it by believing in Jesus. I was woken at 4 a.m. this morning by a dream, and I think it was, I think it was from the Lord, it, because it, it just really jolted me out of my sleep. And my dream was I was speaking in church, and, and everyone was kind of like listening, and we were just going through this, this kind of time of, of teaching, and, and there was one person who doesn't go to this church, I know this person, but she, she, isn't in, she doesn't live anywhere near Farnham, and as I was speaking, she was just looking with her eyes in, in wonder towards the ceiling. And as I was speaking in my dream, I was, I was getting distracted by her looking up at the ceiling. And in the end, I stopped and I said, what is it? What are you looking at? And she said, do you see it? And I looked up and then in the ceiling, I saw the face of Jesus. And it was like the Turin shroud. You know that picture of kind of like the shape of Jesus. It's not the fine detail but it's the outline, and you just know it's a, the, the impression of Jesus. And she was looking up, at, and she was captivated by the face of Jesus across the ceiling of the church. And she was the only one that could see it. And then when she drew, drew my attention to this picture, and I saw it, and I was just undone. 
And then I was just saying to the church, do you see it? Do you see the picture of Jesus? And people were starting to see it. Not everyone saw it at once. And as people started to see it, they got onto their knees because it's the only thing we could do. And we started just to worship and praise Jesus, just to be in his presence, just to adore him, just to, just to lay at his feet and just to worship him. Not everyone saw it, but they started to. Now, I think what the Lord was saying in that dream was that this person who, who has become a good friend, this person is really intentional about seeking Jesus, about pursuing Jesus, about spending time in the presence of Jesus. And she recognizes the presence of Jesus. She is aware of his presence. And I think it's just as simple for her to see Jesus, to be aware of his presence, as it would be if you or I were standing next to her and her be aware of our presence. Because she's so close to Jesus. She loves him so much. And my sense is in that dream is that Jesus is ever-present. Jesus is brooding over us right now by his spirit. But how many of us, how many of us are aware of his presence? I put my hands up and I say, I've just got distracted. I've become distracted. Some of the stuff is good stuff, but it's not God's stuff. I've become distracted from the presence of Jesus. And my invitation to you this morning is to look into the eyes of Jesus. To be aware of his presence. To enjoy his presence. There's this song which we're about to play. And it's called Simple Gospel. And it's written by one of my favourite artists, Will Reagan from United Pursuit. And this is the point, is it's a simple gospel. Yet sometimes we have just too many close-ups. We need an establishing shot. We need to pull back. I'm not saying this to make anyone feel guilty. It's an invitation to what's more. It's an invitation to life. It's an invitation to freedom. To pull back and to look at the big picture of Jesus. I want to play this track and if you, if you want, you can get out of your seat, you can lay, you can kneel, whatever you want to do. But let's just spend the next few moments considering Christ on the cross, Christ risen, Christ praying for you and me right now. Because he said it is finished.
Father, we thank you that the gospel is simple and yet so profound, so life-giving. <clears throat> Father, I repent of looking at the details and missing the big picture. Forgive us, Lord. Well, we've just taken our eyes off you where we miss you. I thank you, Father, that you are a lover of our souls. Lord, I pray for us all that we would look in your eyes and see your delight for us. Friends, just with no hype, with nothing manufactured, no emotion to this, I would just invite anyone that's not looked into the eyes of Jesus for a time, or maybe forever, just to come and just to kneel, just to come and be in his presence, just to worship him, to adore him.
to recognise him for who he is. Let's not miss his presence. Like my friend in my dream, she was aware of his presence and was just caught up in ecstasy. That can be your experience too. So for those that can and want to, I'd invite you just to come and kneel. If you're new to church, that would have sound crazy. But that's a godly tongue. We see that in the, in the book. We see that in the Bible. It's a prayer of tongues. It's a gift of tongues. And it's, a, it's a language. You know, sometimes you just don't have the words to express how you feel. That's a heavenly language from us to God. And there's also a gift of interpretation. So if anybody feels that they, they have a prayer from us to God then do come, and, do come and share it. That is an interpretation to edify and encourage the church. Father, would you wake us from our sleep? Wake us, Lord, from our sleep. Make us ever more aware of your presence. Father, if we've started to believe lies that only what you see is what you can trust and believe in. We repent of those lies, Lord. We repent of believing those lies, Father. We thank you, Lord. We we understand, Father, from Scripture that what we see is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. We thank you, Lord, for what you're preparing for us in heaven. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that this would be, this, this meeting with you would be a blessing to others. We remind ourselves, Lord, that we are blessed to be a blessing. 
Father, would our households, would our workplaces be different because we look into the eyes of Jesus. Father, we pray for a revival in this town, in this nation. Lord, would you awaken the hearts? Would you awaken the hearts, Lord? Would we see your kingdom come, Father, and your will be done? Lord, would you restore hope? I believe there are people here this morning that are feeling hopeless. Lord, would you restore the hope? Bring hope, Father. Come, Holy Spirit. Presence of God, would you rest in this place? Come, Holy Spirit. Just remembering a dream also that I had last night. It was a wakeful night. And I, I saw a picture of a hand that didn't have a ring on it, a wedding ring, where one should be. And my sense is that there might be somebody here that, that at times takes that ring off because they don't want to be noticed as married. Lord, I thank you for the gift of marriage. And I pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus, that every marriage in this place would thrive and survive. I pray, Father, where there is temptation, where there is disappointment, where there's rejection, I pray, Father, for reconciliation. I pray, Lord, for restoration of marriage. I pray, Lord, that you would wrap your loving arms around that couple, that they would know that they are loved by you, that their union is approved by you, ordained by you, Lord. I pray, Father, there's anyone that in their heart is wandering, that you would woo them back to you and to their spouse, Lord. That ring would be placed firmly on that finger Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. My sense is that there is uh, one or two people here that are on the brink of just jacking it all in, whatever that might mean for you. But you, you just feel that you're, you've, you've, you've considered that thought of jacking it all in. And the Lord says no. Can I ask everyone to stand, please? <clears throat> this is a slightly different and intense service, but I don't apologise. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. <coughs> Spirit of God, we love you. We welcome you. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. just invite you to begin to pray out loud if you're comfortable with that. It might be in English, it might be in your mother tongue, it might be in tongues itself. 
So just begin to pray. Loosen the tongues, Lord. Loosen tongues, Lord. Keep praying, keep praying. This is a this is a weapon. This is a weapon of warfare. For some of you, this is the first time you've prayed in weeks, and the Lord says, Come home. Thank you, Father, that you hear every one of these prayers. Keep praying, folks. Okay, the Holy Spirit's just beginning to move and resting on people. We welcome you, Lord. More of you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Keep praying, folks. I feel like we're on the... This is a pivotal moment. Keep praying. I feel the Lord saying, I give you my peace. I don't give as the world gives, but I give you my peace. Thank you. Thank you. Keep praying. Keep praying. We can do more than two minutes of prayer, can't we, folks? Father, would you uh, just fan the flame, Father, of prayer? Would you fan the flame of prayer? Would we be a praying people, Lord? Would we be a people that turn to prayer? When the going gets tough, would we turn to prayer, Jesus? Would you restore hope, Lord, where hope is diminished? Father, would you heal this land? Would you forgive us, Father, for, for, for turning from you in this land, Lord? Father, we pray for our leaders. We pray for our leaders in this nation, Father, that they would be led by you, Jesus. As impossible as that might seem, we pray for our leaders, Lord. In the name of Jesus, would you inspire them, Father? Would you lead them, Father? Would you direct them, Lord? Would be a, be a blessing to the world again, Lord. For those of us that are tired, that are worn out, that are close to jacking it in, Father, would you restore hope? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Shana, more of you, Lord. More of you, Jesus. More, Lord. More, Lord. Would we look in the eyes of Jesus once again?
book of Jesus with his spread hands with the nail prints in his hand look at his side don't you love him Lord said to Peter do you love me with the love that I have for you Peter said I'm fond of you Lord that's all I can do Lord Jesus we're fond of you we're really fond of you Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I know this is extremely awkward for some of you, but I really sense the Lord is moving. Pressing in. If we can't make time for Jesus on a Sunday morning, we're in a desperate state. More Jesus. I had a picture of us um, between God and others, and we're reaching and pulling, getting a connection like a cable between God and other people, and we were locking them together. And this cable was not just a tenuous connection, but it was like you would see in an outdoor area, and it was an electrical cable connected with all that all-weather gear together and was making a secure connection. But our job was God was standing there with open arms and was us connecting those, those cables available to the people who are calling out mm. for things, even if they don't know what they are. Thank you, Kev. In the same vein with the charging and electricity. Mm. Yeah, as we were praying, I just really felt that like uh, the Holy Spirit was just saying that he'll just continue to top you up and will just, wherever you're going this week, into your workplace, into your homes, into your schools, he will just keep charging you up and be with you wherever you go. And he will be overflowing and flowing to those people that you meet. Mm. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Jesus. More, Lord. More, Lord. Give us more, Lord. So, Father, my prayer for us this week is that the plain thing would be the main thing and the main thing would be the plain thing that we would be uh, just more aware of your presence this week Lord that we would turn to prayer rather than criticism or fear or anxiety Lord that we would turn to pray Father that when the pressure intensifies that we would just find ourselves praying with faith and hope and expectancy. Lord, I pray that we would be a blessing to those around us. Father, I pray for the gift of evangelism, that we wouldn't um, strive or stress or worry, Lord, but we would just share the goodness of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, that we would be able to talk about him as our king, our saviour, our lover, our friend. <coughs> we'd be more aware of your presence, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.